0: Hey, what's up, Laser fans? Welcome to We Have a Take, the What podcast. I am Tara Bowen-Biggs, and I am joined once again, not by Cassidy, who's not able to make it, but by my very super special extra, extra co-host, my always favorite guest that I always reach out to first when I know that I'm going to need some help. It's Dylan Sage. Hey, Sage, how you doing?
1: Great. I, I'm glad to know I'm uh, first on the uh, the dial in case you need a co-host, that makes me feel really good.
0: Well, I love to talk to you and how are things, first of all, how are things going on with Holy Backboard? How's Dustin and what are you guys getting up to?
1: So, um, you know, the Blazers have been uh, not doing as well as we'd like. So we've uh, pivoted into doing college basketball podcasts about the prospects that, you know, interest us. So we've done four podcasts and planned to release a new show every Friday. It's called a hashtag future Fridays. And uh, you normally get it Thursday night at like 11 o'clock from me because I get excited about releasing that type of content because, you know, Blazers aren't doing so well. So it's not fun to hear about. Yeah, we're under we're we're not achieving the goals that were set out. It's more fun. Like Jalen Ivey is really fast and he could fit into the defensive and offensive schemes that we have. So. Yeah, Future Fridays, every Friday we talk about a uh, new prospect this week. It's Johnny Davis from Wisconsin, who, you know, if he hits his potential, he's Brandon Roy. So
0: Nice. Well, you're definitely making lemonade out of a season that could uh, somewhat be lemons. And I think a lot of people are actually once, at least for me personally, once Damian decided that he was gonna get the surgery and sit it out, it was just such a great relief to know that the expectations were gonna be reasonable. I at least think that, I feel like I've got reasonable expectations right now. And right now, the way that things are going is, if they lose, uh, you know, it's not crushing. It's like, it's still exciting to watch them and you want them to play well. You want it to be either close or a blowout. If it's the kind of team that they should be blowing out, like the Oklahoma city thunder, who they're playing right now as we're Mm -hmm. recording, we'll see, (laughs) but it doesn't hurt so bad when they lose. And I don't know if that means I've sold my soul and I'm now like gone to the dark side or what.
1: (laughs) So my philosophy is like, I don't want to yuck in anybody's yums. So if people want to watch the team play hard, that's awesome. I hope they play hard too. If they want to tank, that's awesome. I want that too. I'm not trying to be a downer on anybody's want and desires for this team, but talking about like these young prospects and how they could help the Blazers achieve the ultimate goal has been really fun. And uh, you know, like pivoting before everybody else, you know, you, you get your advantages of like, we have all of these shows, for when draft time comes around. So we can just like, well, here's the three about Jabari Smith. Here's the two about Chet. Like, you know, it's a lot less work than like two years ago, before we traded the first round pick for to Robert Covington, we wrote like a 5,000 uh, word blog post about the, that draft. And then the next day, Robert Covington became a blazer. And we're like,
0: Oh, oh. man, <laughs>
1: like, I remember, like, I remember that blog post. We, we took time, like, it was like we napped between, you know, like I had the evens. He had the odds. I took a nap between each pick because <laughs> it was like that miserable of a, like a typing experience because we deep dove every player. And then all of a sudden, well, this was a big waste of well, time. We're
0: not going to even have a pick. Well, I commend you guys for putting in all that work. And now you have all that knowledge. So here's my only problem with the future Fridays. And you knew this would happen with somebody like me. Every player, I'm like, oh, I love him. I love him so much. He should totally be a blazer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I fall in love with every one of them. Uh, I've watched, t- I listened to two out of the four, I think that you've got nice. up there. So um, it was a
1: Jabari and Paolo.
0: It was the first one. And mm-hmm. then uh, uh, the one that just, you just oh, did.
1: Oh, Jaden Ivy, Yeah, who
0: just had a game, game winner. winner. Yeah. And I was excited about it because I had listened to your podcast.
1: Well, thank you. Uh, I mean, you like Chet is probably one of the rarest players you'll ever see being seven foot one So like just that alone, I, I think he's one of the best shot blockers I've seen since Anthony Davis, but Dustin's worried about the whole size being a factor. And then we had Paulo, um, uh, one of like a very special shot creating big man, like that's six, nine that does CJ McCollum level dribble moves to get his space. So so far, it's been a lot of interesting players.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I would highly recommend that to anyone who is wondering, um, you know, just wants to get a little bit of advanced information about some of the players who may be avail- available during the draft, and who knows where the Blazers are going to end up. And I have to, so I have to say, there's so much talk about like you know, tanking or not tanking, mm-hmm. and to me, I like I I understand that. I'm, and I I like want them to play hard and I want the young players to develop and I want them to be having fun, Mm -hmm. but but here's the thing. Like, I, I feel like in the discussion about tanking and everybody like being excited about the Blazers deciding to tank, like the only option is like tank for the number one pick or, you know, be one of those bottom four, or there's like no other way it's going to work. I mean, I understand that the Blazers need to um, not make the playoffs in order to keep their their own pick. However, Mm. there is a trade deadline coming up, and couldn't they potentially pick up something in the trade deadline as well? Is that, like, just so unlikely? In terms
1: of a draft pick or in terms of a player using the pick?
0: No, I mean, a draft pick. Yeah, You you know, if that's what they want, you know, Mm. and it's like, yeah, maybe they're not going to get one of the top four in a, you know, a trade for, you know, at this, at this point or whatever. I just, I just think that um, uh, it's not going to be the end of the world if they don't like get a top four pick. Um, and I would also assume that the Blazers are actively trying to figure out ways that they could pick up a draft pick during at the deadline because yeah what if every, what if things go sideways and they go start playing great?
1: <laughs> so, you for know? Me, yeah, definitely. I think that there's, there's no tier one prospect like a, a Cade Cunningham and Evan Mobley, but there's like five or six tier, uh, tier two prospects. So like, even if you don't get a top five, if you're in the top six, I think you get a pretty damn good player. So, you know, like it, it, it in like last year's draft, it was Kate Cunningham and Evan Mobley. And then there was question marks. There's question marks on everybody, but there's six really good players. So I'm not like, I'm not bummed out when we win a game because I know that the, the talent pool is deep. I remember two years ago when the uh, Lamelo ball draft happened and you and I were saying like, they they probably don't like being called not talented and look at how good that class is. So it's.
0: Yes. I love how that class has just been like, oh, no, you're not going to sit around and tell us for like six extra months how untalented this is. Yeah, how much we suck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and switch gears and start talking about actual basketball. So Cassidy and I have not really talked lately much about actual basketball. We've found plenty of other things to talk about, partly because like they're just for a while. It just wasn't like fun to watch it was just kind of like a Mm -hmm. slog and then it was like everybody started to get injured and sick and it was like who are these people like what's going on what can we even tell about this team at this point totally I don't know if we've reached a point where we can how much we can tell but I feel like we sort of have a body of work now that we could at least dive a little bit into like what is this new team under the new coaching staff like, how are they going to play? Or what What do they seem to be playing like, at least compared to, like, the team, you know, from the past? So do you feel like we're at a place where we can actually start to make some of those, I don't mm. know, guesses or assumptions? or? Well, it's tough because
1: there's been so many injuries and uh, health-related, you know, players being out. So it was like, <clears throat> we're, we're a small team. You know, Dame's obviously hurt. CJ's dealing with his stuff, Norms dealing with like not getting the ball enough, Ant's doing really well, Yusuf's doing awful. And then some most of those guards got hurt or uh COVID, and then it was Ant and Nurkic hit the, and de- they developed such a nice connection with each other. And then it was slowly adding talent back and then taking talent back, oh, away from them. So like I don't know how many games we've played where everybody's fully healthy. So it's kind of been a a mismatch of everything that could possibly happen happening. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: like right now, I feel like here's what the team is. Uh, CJ, Ant, and Norm take about 60, 65% of the possessions. Yusuf gets like 20, and then the rest of the team divides the the rest of the pot. It's really those four four players. And I I think that we're doing a, a bad job in terms of like, providing time for every player to have their moments it's here's all four of our best players at one time you know we're gonna we're gonna deal with the the repercussions of not staggering any players out so that's kind of how I feel using like the uh the Bulls game as the example of what's happening now with the three high usage guards that we have in Yusuf because like during during the run of winning games with Ant and Yusuf it was kind of like Yusuf's going to bully the, the the opposing center and Ant's going to have at least one quarter of like really awesome play. And that's how we win games. But now like Yusuf doesn't get the ball enough and, you know, Norm and CJ need to get there. So it's a kind of a confusing roster that we've been dealing with for the last, however long this season's gone on.
0: Yeah. I feel like since, CJ and Norm came back and they, like you said, they have such a big role and they have the ball so much that mm-hmm. has made it, um, a little, it, that's been awkward to, uh, kind of try to reintegrate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have noticed, and this is something I've been tracking all years. So like with the, with the new coaching staff, I was thinking about what are the hallmarks of a stats system? You mm-hmm. know, it's, um they don't get assists they don't get dunks they don't play the young players and (laughs) the i was like okay maybe that's gonna change maybe we're gonna have a whole new system that is gonna do something and i've noticed um so they they have been getting more assists per game than Mm -hmm. they've averaged for a while Mm -hmm. um maybe that's because people are hitting shots i don't know so i've actually started gone over to start tracking actual passes instead mm-hmm. of just assist to see if there's more ball movement. Cause I just remember like so many like graph, looking at graphs of like how the blazers play and just the ball movement, just like being a straight line basically, cause they just don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, think about it like, you know, two years ago, if there was a play where the ball like fizzed all around the perimeter, like it was so remarkable that we talked about it we for talked a week. about it for weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're like, oh my god, wasn't that amazing? And then you like watch one Golden State game and they do it like 10 times a game. I've noticed on a bad
1: night. Yeah, <laughs> on a bad night, they do that. I I mean, like uh, on the holy backboard a few episodes episodes ago, we brought up the the Damian Lillard to uh, Anthony Simons potential game winner assist to Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And that's like a three years ago. Like,
0: but it was so remarkable that we had to to talk about it. (laughs) Well, so um, good news. If this is the kind of thing you're looking for, they have been moving it around more Um, like, As for the whole year and I, you know, I know we haven't had, we, we have, you know, half a year of stats that we can look at now, even with the weird lineups, I think they were averaging like 30 more passes a game, which to me sounds like quite a bit, at least for a team that like was barely passing it at all. They're not at all on the bottom anymore. Yeah.
1: Chauncey Um, didn't Chauncey bring that up. Like that was one of the things he wanted to do is establish a more passing based team.
0: Yeah, he did. And he, what what he talked about that I remember from the beginning of the season is he talked about doing more uh, drive, kick, swing and having that be part of something that the Clippers did that he wanted to implement. Um, and so I've, I've been happy to see that. Like, I think that um, I think that is, um, you, you know, if they're le- if they're actually learning how to get better shots, if they're actually doing that because they're learning how to get better shots, I think that's, you know, that's really promising. Um, but then I also wonder how much of it just because it's not Damian Lillard holding the ball.
1: Exactly. And then, but w- just think about with Damian Lillard holding the ball. He's going to get, even on a bad night last year, he got us like eight free throw attempts a game. So that, like, one of the things between Dame and Ant is Dame get got paint touches and drove it and got layups and fouled. Ant probably does that twice a game, like drives per game. So a lot it, it makes it so the offense is a lot harder to get uh, to to score because you don't have that deep paint penetration. You like if Ant drives, he's either getting to the free throw line then then uh, walled off, or it's not really doing what it's supposed to do. So you know, if we if if paint touches were such an important thing, I think we got to get Ant to use that God-given athleticism and get some some paint touches but he just does not do it this year he's doing most of his work on the three-point shooting and you know he's doing a little floater work but like if we're trying to compete with this core he needs to get into the paint and use that athleticism to get some paint scores yeah I, I feel like now it's just Norman Powell is the only one attacking off the perimeter off the bounce especially since Nas is out it's just like the only way we're getting to the rim is Yusuf Nurkic bullying somebody or Norman Powell because of bad spacing. He has to turn down the shot and drive type of, type of thing.
0: Boy, it sure doesn't seem like other teams are having a hard problem, hard time uh, penetrating into the Blazers. Paint. Oh, it's
1: very easy. I th- Yeah. Like, um, you know how much I do daily fantasy. I had like 56% Josh Giddy, I had 30% Lou Dort. I know how easy it is for other opposing teams to score on us. Like other coaches aren't dumb. They're like, Oh, this, we, we try two passes and this, this thing blows up in their face. Let's, let's score. Let's run this, run this thing up and get, you know, like have Giannis sit in the third quarter when we play them in a few days.
0: So I, I've heard you talk about how, um, the Blazers get caught on the second and third pass. Like they're, they're able, like they're getting better at getting to the first and sometimes Mm -hmm. to the second, but then by the third, it's, it's getting harder. Have you, have you seen a progression at all in the defense?
1: I think so because they roll in a zone a lot so far. So it, it makes the rotations a lot easier when you're in a zone and this is the place that I patrol, you know, you don't, you have less responsibilities but when they go in man or you know that type of thing, I definitely see, oh, this is the same blazers that I, I remember, but now they they switch it into zone, and that confuses some teams where they just don't know how to break a zone. I remember last year, or two years ago, like teams would zone up on us, and it was just turnovers and bad shots. Some teams just don't practice how to break a zone, so you know, I, th- I think them going into a zone and trying to protect Yusuf from himself is a big step with the defense.
0: Um I feel like there was maybe like a hot minute that was real short that Stotts tried to do a zone and then they decided to go back to their very very conservative defense. Yeah. I guess part of the thing that's been a challenge or um a stretch watching <laughs> this the team this season is um and and watching the defense like their previous defense was so conservative Mm -hmm. that as they're learning how to do more, the, the mistakes are just like glaring. Oh yeah. But I feel like I feel like they're making progress, and it, it's interesting you brought up the zone. Um, I was listening to the Locked On podcast with mm-hmm. uh, Mike Richmond, and he actually, I believe, he asked Chauncey directly about the zone, um, and the coach said that the reason that he was doing it and kept going back to it is because it was really important for the Clippers to have a second option. Mm-hmm. So I got pretty excited about that because the Blazers had one option and it was as conservative as you could possibly be
1: (laughs) i also think it was important to protect yusuf like because you know he loves being aggressive so if he's in the zone next to the paint he can't really do the high like the the off ball defense which is a consistent foul like i remember there was games where he picked up four really quickly and it was zoned the entire rest of the game just to keep him in because he was so valuable at that time. Maybe that was part of it. I, I'm sure, you know, have, switching from A to B is important, but, you know, when we didn't have any other skilled players besides Ant and Yusuf, and I know that's that's mean to say, but, like, those were our two guys at the time. Keeping them on the court for 30-plus minutes yeah. was really important. If we were trying to win a game, Yusuf had to play 30.
0: Okay, I think I'm ready to trans- to uh, uh, move over to start talking about players because I want to talk about Yusuf. Um, but before we do that, is there any other like s- something that stood out to you about like the way the team is playing that's different from ways that they have played in the past that like really stands out to you?
1: Uh, comparing it to early uh, Chauncey Billups play or... Uh,
0: comparing Stott's. it to the stats.
1: I think we're doing a really bad job. I I mentioned it on the Holy Backboard, but we're doing a really bad job of empowering Mm Norman Powell.
0: It's really hard to find a place for him with, I think, Anfernee playing and 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 then CJ returning
1: and Um, Muses.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Poor, poor Norm. I know Norm has like a face that just always looks mad, but he just looks miserable. (laughs) I feel so bad for him.
1: I mentioned this on the Holy Backboard. Like, we used to run plays for him to get him open for off-ball shots and movement shots and him having open shots. Now he's just chilling in the corner, and if he gets the ball, he's probably going to have to drive because the defender is running back at, at, at him. So he has to make that guy miss and then drive. So, it, like, yeah, I, I think we've, we've we've done Norman Powell extraordinarily dirty, and I I'm upset at how – he's being treated
0: yeah yeah it's um yeah so the difference being that last year when they inserted him into the lineup they actually ran plays for him and now it's up to oh him yeah to, like to i remember yusuf
1: own. yusuf was like his buddy a lot of the time where it was just like yusuf would set the screen and norman would read what to do find the open space and score now it's ha- like i was i was shocked that i saw uh trend of wadford do that today and try and get norman an open shot because we really don't do it we're just like setting a screen if that fails we set another screen if that fails we do another screen and then we take an awful shot so i'm not really a, a real big fan of chauncey billups at the moment
0: i um i just i'm just really i really interested in how things, how different things look. And actually one thing that was really, we had Jamie Hudson on the podcast, um, Mm -hmm. last week, and she talked about the assistant coaches and some of the jobs that the assistant coaches were and like how, uh, important they are to like some of the different, um, you know, for the different players and how much time, um, Roy Rogers is spending with Yusuf. And I think I'll, I'll start talking about Yusuf now because you, As you know, my fandom of Yusuf Nurkish has not been a straight line. It's oh, been not. Yeah. a loop-de-loop <laughs> um, roller coaster. Uh, and right now I have to say I'm on a pretty high uh, high spot. I think that he's been playing fantastic. And I think he's been playing under control. And I think he's been playing with, um, I I say this all the time. I think when he understands the importance, like how important he is to making things happen, that's when he plays the best. Whether or not you call that his role or whatever, I think he likes it when he's this, like, when he can paint himself as the star of the story. Like, I, I see every game that Yusuf plays in as a performance, and he wants to do his best best performance and when he can like be that outstanding performer whether or not it's like freeing anthony up every like constantly like i think people don't talk enough about and maybe i'm seeing this wrong the set, but,
1: screen setting of use of nurture he is
0: so important to anthony's breakout he is absolutely i think absolutely. he's been just critical for Anthony to have the success that that he has had, and I'm happy for Anthony and I want to give him a lot of credit for all the work that he it, put it's in. Yusuf,
1: Yusuf starts every yes. win that we get. It's Yusuf Nurkic that starts it. Yes, because you don't win without putting the opposing center in jail or like getting him into foul trouble and making the backup guy get on the on the floor because you know whoever picked up two fouls in ten minutes. Like Yusuf Nurkic has been really important to this team. And, you know, I'm not the biggest ant guy in terms of his playmaking and decision making. So when it was just those two, Yusuf Nurkic was like the point guard of this team. He, he made the decisions and, you know, a lot of it was to, to free up space for Anthony. Yeah, Yusuf Nurkic right now is probably playing, in my opinion, his best, most effective basketball of his entire career. Maybe not currently because of Norman Maybe not the last back. two
0: games, but. <laughs>
1: well, well Nor- Norman Powell coming back and taking what, you know, his responsibilities, that directly comes out of Yusuf Nurkic's, you know, potential, like, times with the ball.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah,
1: I-, I think it's important that every one of those guys gets their moment and Yusuf just doesn't get it because I looked at the Bulls' name because that was the one game where, like, whoever's playing this year is going to play this year. And Yusuf played like 100% of his minutes with at least two of Ant, Norm, or CJ. Like, I think they need to spread out the the talent. Mm-hmm. If you were trying to get the best out of Norman and Yusuf, wouldn't it be better for them to have the ball <laughs> instead I- of chilling in the corner or setting an unnecessary screen because you don't feel like you're involved in the offense?
0: Yeah, I'll I'll say something that is not controversial at all. There's just too many guards on mm-hmm. the team. There's mm-hmm. just too many. And like, so this is something that I put out on Twitter the other night, and I'm not quite sure I got my whole um, uh, uh, meeting across. I was thinking about the trade deadline and the end of this season, and I was so I wasn't thinking about like building for the future after you know starting next season. I was thinking just about like at the trade deadline, and I was thinking mm-hmm. about how important Yusuf Nurkic has been to Anthony Simons and Anfernee Simons' development. Dame is not coming back. Like those guards need somebody in there to protect them. I think mm-hmm. Norm. I feel like Norm is a fantastic player, but like you said, he's not being utilized. Mm
1: -hmm. And I
0: think if I was going, if, if I had to um, I I guess what I'm saying is if, if Nurkic didn't get traded at the deadline um, I wouldn't be sad because I would like to see him hang in there with Anfernee for the rest of the year and just Mm -hmm. let Anfernee learn and uh, Norm, because I think Norm is really valuable, I think that he could, you know, bring back, um, you know, a person or a pick or something for the Blazers. And because of there's just so many guards mm-hmm. that I would, I would prioritize. um, um I, don't say, I wouldn't say I would prioritize keeping Nurk, but I don't want to say I would pr- prioritize finding a new home for Norm. But you see where I'm going with this? Like, to yeah. me, like, there's only two centers on the roster. And if Yusuf Nurkic stays here the rest of the season and they don't trade him, you know, it's not the end of the world. Like, this whole thing about, like, you can't let him walk away for nothing. And I'm like, you're not letting him walk away for nothing. You're getting Yusuf Nurkic for three more months and everything that he brings, you know, to help these younger players develop. So I don't know. That's just my 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 latest rant.
1: I, I think that first we got to admit that I think Robert Covington's the most likely player to be traded, right?
0: I would think. So. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I guess why do you think he's more likely to be traded than Norman? Just because he's on the re- on the expiring contract? Well, he's
1: on the expiring deal, and I just don't think. I think that Norman's unhappy. I think Robert Covington's extremely unhappy playing with. A, I I do, yeah.
0: I I don't know. That's a hard one for me to tell.
1: You think he's he's psyched about having a uh, you know, when they're all healthy, he's psyched about having Larry Nance breathing down his neck and you know, Chauncey not really trusting him much.
0: Well, I don't know. He certainly has been playing better since yeah, but, you know well, the turn there's, of the there's year. that
1: freedom of not having yeah. a guy in my position breathing down my neck.
0: Right. Yeah. I don't know, but like I and
1: he can help a team like Joe Ingles tore his knee up. That's
0: true. Yeah, I've been thinking Robert about it. Robert Covington Utah.
1: could fit like a glove in Utah. Or, you know, like just think about teams that could use another guy that can defend at a pretty high level and hit threes. That's a commodity that's really valuable. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if we're not competing, and from what I've read in forums and and, you know, fans, like he's not having an enjoyable time, wouldn't it be best for him to, uh, you know, go someplace else, help a team compete, and earn that next, maybe potentially last contract?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I I think you're probably right about that. About him being the the most likely, and also because of the length of Norman's contract, it might be a little harder. Be, I don't know, but he's also so valuable.
1: Yeah, he, he Norman's also a guy who
0: been. can defend and shoot threes. Yeah.
1: I I mean, just the the expiring is just another, you know, Mm -hmm. like that's a, he could help. Let's pick the Milwaukee bucks. He can help Milwaukee win the chip and then he can leave. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So it's less, you know, Norman could help the Milwaukee bucks, obviously, but he's on the contract for four more years. Yeah. What is, what is the Milwaukee bucks going to look like in four years? So I think that it's a bigger commitment to Norman than Robert
0: yeah for sure yeah no now that I think about it that that makes good sense I just I guess what I'm getting at is I don't think it's the end of the world if they don't trade Nurkic at the deadline
1: I (laughs) would feel like
0: they only have two centers
1: (laughs) exactly because of the draft it's like if we got Chet Holmgren if we got Jalen Duran I want you some Nurkic to help them learn the game like I wouldn't mind having Nurkic if like Let's say we can give him $30 million to stay in Portland for a year, two years, like $60 million for two. If he can help Jalen Durant hit his ceiling, that's awesome. And we should keep him. Like, there's more. You're paying
0: $30 million to use of Nurkic?
1: To keep him? Sure. For one year?
0: Uh, that's more than I, I think, would, would well, I'm i just, tra- I'm just <laughs>
1: trying to say like we can do other things than let him expire yes
0: yes
1: and if we had a rookie that needed a mm-hmm. legitimate teacher to help him I would be fine with use of Nurkic it, just pay him what he wants for a year of service or two years of service and let him teach Jalen or or a uh, Chet he makes money and we get a good teacher I'm, it's not my money. I'm not, I'm not paying. Dude, if of Nurkish was getting paid out of my salary, he would have left four years ago. So I'm just trying to think of like ways to incentivize him to stay. If, if he wants a big Steven Adams contract, well, teach, teach Jalen, teach him how to be a legitimate pro center. And then we'll do what's best for us.
0: I hadn't even thought about the teacher angle, and I'm the person who's been like beating the drum of like the best Yusuf is Big Brother Yusuf, and so I think yeah, just think that's about great yeah. So,
1: so there's a guy from uh, Memphis. Um, he was a top five guy for a while, and then because he doesn't have a point guard, he's gonna drop down to the where the Blazers are. Like he has a skill set that Papa Nurk could help mm-hmm. develop. Like that's why I'm like, if we sign him for another year, that's cool. Like I don't want him, I don't want like a five-year deal, but like if we signed him for a one-year or a two-year deal, that's mm-hmm. great. You can teach because I assume that we would I think Jalen Duran would be a great player for us. Like I I don't know. Like I, I don't think that him potentially being a free agent means we lose him for nothing. Like what if he wants to go to a specific team? We can help facilitate that too. Like I know a lot of people don't think sign and trades happen, but they happen quite frequently. Like, you know, like he wants to go play for Dallas or something. Give us, give us Maxi Kleber and he's yours. And, you know, there, there's other ways of utilizing him than just, quote-unquote, letting him walk for nothing.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, if Cronin's,
1: so- if Cronin's the creative guy that he has made himself out to be, then he would know that sign and trades are something that can be utilized as a tool.
0: Have I told you my, uh, Joe Cronin, um, creative, um, uh, story. So not story, but, um, here's what I have in my mind. I have in my mind that one day the Blazers were trying to like figure out the books and Neil Shea was like, I have to figure out how to save $6 million. You make me figure it, figure it out for me, figure it out for me. And Joe Cronin was like joking. And he was like, well, we could wave and stretch Andrew Nicholson. <laughs> <laughs> and then neil is like yes
1: oh man
0: <laughs> i just i'm i'm excited about the potential of joe cronin i just know that he was like next to neil olshay the entire time
1: <laughs> that has to wear on a person's i don't humanity i like that sucks hanging out with neil Olshay every day for multiple years would suck
0: Seems like a good guy, though, so uh, we'll see. I don't know um, what he uh, really told um, Yusuf Nurkic and then what Yusuf Nurkic told Jason Quick and then what Jason Quick um, reported robust. about the um, team is going to keep building around Dame CJ and Nurk. And I was like, well, that, hmm, that's that interesting. That doesn't seem
1: like it's a good thing to tell players. <laughs> it just sounded
0: like a game of telephone to me, you know? <laughs> so... We'll speculate on that later. Uh anyway, so we talked a little bit about Nurkic, talked a little bit about Anthony, talked a little bit about Norm. Um, God, like, we gotta talk about Nas. Oh, Mm -hmm. I hate it so much. I hate what happened to Nas. I just think about it randomly throughout the day and get so upset because he was doing so, so, so well. Mm -hmm. I don't really know what else to say about that.
1: I mean, it's a complete and total bummer. Like, Having him be the starting three gave us size in a position that was we completely lacked at. So uh having him away from the team is brutal, but like to have him have a career year is even more brutal.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that he played so well that he now has a solid body of work. And the other mm-hmm. thing I was thinking about Nas is that he's had a lot of just like fluke injuries mm-hmm. but he's recovered so well like he's I mean, always it's like come back 21 really years old <laughs> yeah but not all 21 year olds have you know because of the nature of their injuries or uh. the nature of their bodies or whatever just haven't always been able to like come back and it's been like one surgery after another or whatever and so far knock on wood um naz has been able to bounce back from his various ailments and oh i just it it breaks my heart.
1: Okay, I got to take a break. My mom's calling. I'll be oh. back in like two a minute. Talk to your mom. All right.
0: Okay, so while you're gone, I checked the score. <laughs> <laughs> Blazers losing to OKC right now. Tank,
1: tank, 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 tank.
0: No, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say that out loud. Like I said, at the end of the game, I'm just not going to feel so bad.
1: <laughs> it, it, I, I Because of what the NBA has made team building is best because you and when you when you suck team building is easier than if you're mediocre because of the potential chance of having picks so think about the future think about Jalen or uh, Jaden Ivey or Jabari Smith there's there's light at the end of the tunnel if if we make the playoffs we don't get that light at the end of the tunnel and we have to deal with this again
0: so I have a question for you. Um, <laughs> sort of a thought experiment. When you think about Damien, so I keep randomly having like visions of what Damian Lillard is going to be like when he comes back and how great it's gonna have healthy Damian Lillard back. He's gonna be amazing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So if healthy Damian Lillard comes back, what's the dream team? Not specific players,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: like what's the dream team? Because Damian Lillard has always been heavy ISO, mm-hmm. right? He's always been that way. He's a shoot first point guard, like mm-hmm. that's just how he's been. So, like, no sense trying to like change him from what he is. He's who he is, and yeah, it's
1: irresponsible it. to even to attempt that. Who
0: who who goes well around him? What types of players do you think in this future that the the magical future the Blazers are building for? Um, I mean, what types of players look good? Like, what type of two? should go alongside him
1: i feel like it has to be a bigger defender that can take on the uh
0: oh like ben Mclemore?
1: no <laughs> well if if ben Mclemore was what he was what i thought he was going to be in 2013 sure because i thought he was going to be really really awesome so no i like um
0: the bigger stronger defensive yeah like
1: jade jaden ivy would be dope uh Jabari Smith, like I feel like there needs to be knockdown shooters that defend well. And we have to have like multiple good players that are different. Cause I feel like three out of the four guards do the same thing every like their skill sets are very similar. Mm-hmm. So I, I like I would want 48 minutes of confident basketball and to be able to like have guys that know their roles. Like Nasir Little would be good because he knows what he he's supposed to do. So guys that are like, no, like, okay, I'm put on this team to play defense really hard and hit open shots. Like, I, I think that we have guys that need the ball in their hands a lot. And if you have Damien Lillard, you already have that. So maybe get guys with different skill sets. So
0: so let me ask it another way. If uh, Do you think in this magical future that we're building towards that Anthony Simons and Nazir Little – are the types of players that would go really well alongside Damien or am i clouded by like how much i love these players and just want to hold on to them cuz they were blazers
1: i feel like ant m- can fit i don't think i don't think that that's a seamless fit of of, of like different skill sets cuz ant does what Damien does just not with the the free throw attempts and drives he's more of like a a shooter, a long range shooter that doesn't do anything else offensively, except shoot and then sort of penetrate and do floaters. So I don't know if those two fit seamlessly, but shit, may, be sure. Cause uh, Chauncey Billups, I don't think they played a lot of minutes. Like I checked it a few weeks ago and it was like one fifth of the minutes that those two played were shared on the court together. So it was really not like a big sample size. Of those two running the offense together. So we might as well try. But I think Nasir, if he can stay healthy, is a good fit. You just need to have more good fits like that instead of you know small guards that shoot. That that they, their, their main thing is to dribble and shoot. Because you, if you're gonna make Dame be the 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 superstar, you need to have complementary skilled players instead of. Copycats,
0: right? So there's already guys who can dribble and shoot. We yeah. need need more players. Um, yeah, I guess i I have I've sort of come up with the um, I'm all as you can tell, I'm all about looking at the future right now, like uh, looking at and as I think a lot of people have have come to realize, like mm-hmm. that's what we need to do. And you know, Damian Lillard is not, you know, he's not young anymore, but he's also not like decrepit, which like. <laughs> I keep hearing people talk about like Damien's gonna be 35. I'm like, okay, hold on. Damien's still 31. Like he's still got four years. We, we,
1: we can't sim three years into the future.
0: Yeah, yeah. So but I so what I'm hoping that uh the Blazers do is that they just get a lot of guy young guys with high upside and just play it out and just see what happens. Like I have this my this is timely because my own middle child just aged out of their parent, his parents' health insurance, 26, you know, now he's got to go out there on his own. And um, so I feel like, okay, any young new blazers that the blazers acquire 26 or younger.
1: I like this, the, the Tara Biggs system for uh, improving the blazers. <laughs> what are some more rules?
0: I don't know. That's, just, that's just what I was thinking of. Um, but anyway, so Another young player that we might have sort of different opinions on. Like, I don't think the Blazers need to like build their future around Trendon Watford.
1: Oh my god!
0: <laughs> I said I don't. Okay. But I'm happy think, we agree about that. I think he's proven himself to be perfectly competent um, as a undrafted uh, player. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He can get to the right place. OK, so I've, I'm conflicted because, you know, that push shot that he keeps hitting the uh-huh. same shot that I've complained about Yusuf Nurkic taking for three years. Mm-hmm. Trendon Watford comes in and he's hitting it. Now I'm like, should I not be complaining about that anymore? Because now he's hitting it with regularity. Mm-hmm. I mean, so like I said, I don't think that they should be building around Trendon Watford. I'm yet. glad you say that. For the next for the rest of the season, even if they had to keep him around and have him be a guy like you know a deep guy on the bench I mm-hmm. you know I I think he's somebody that the that they can totally hang on to and um, you know I enjoy watching him play with Dennis Smith, I think you know, uh, in the magical future where the Blazers are up 40 points and they just have to put somebody in the fourth quarter. I think f- fourth quarter of Dennis Smith Jr. and Trenton Watford could be really fun.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I think they play together. Throwing well. Greg
1: Brown, who learns how to <laughs> do other things besides dunking. Sure.
0: I guess this is just all to say that Trenton Watford to me has been sort of a pre- pleasant surprise in this whole, like, well, everybody next man up. And I feel like he has acquitted himself well for a guy who was undrafted. Um, I think that it's
1: amazing that he's took advantage of the situation that's presented him and has played some quality ball. With that being said, if the Blazers were healthy, I don't expect him to get up from the the, the bench at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like yeah, I, I, if he's the fifteenth man on the team, sure, I don't care, but. The 15th man on this current roster is playing 15 minutes a game because of how injured we are. Um, I mean, like, if we were taking this year serious, sure, play, play the ends of blowouts. Do the Chris Jackson thing, being the center of the blowout squad. I, sure, I don't care. But, you know, like when, when I see articles being written about how he's a future role player on this team, I'm like, y'all got to chill.
0: Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a little early for that. And you know what, to me, really, honestly, it goes back to December and how painful it was to watch those seasoned vets who all should have known what they were doing, just not be able to gel. Mm -hmm. and then unfortunately they got injured like you wouldn't ever want injury or sickness to like hit anybody but it happened Mm -hmm. and as a result we got to see these young guys cycle in and to me that made it more fun to watch and I don't know if it's because they haven't been coached for years and so they're like okay whatever you want me to do I'll do it and the other guys are like wait what how this is different you know I don't know Mm -hmm. well I mean like
1: kudos to him for playing really I mean, putting in good minutes, I guess, in in times when he's been needed, I just, if he's the end of the bench guy, I'm fine. I just don't yeah. want, I, I like, I don't want him being in my rotation at all. Like,
0: yeah, I think for me, it would be, this is what it would be like. The Blazers are all healthy. They're all playing really well. And you'll hear me go, Hi oh, miss Trendon Watford.
1: So it, would he have the RHJ role on this team? Like he,
0: yeah, he yeah. comes in and his our bigs high are in foul play. trouble. Yeah, put in Trendon. Yeah, I, I'm totally. fine with that.
1: I'm fine yeah. with that. But yeah. don't give him 20 consistent minutes. On I, I don't want to watch that.
0: Oh, you had to bring up Rondé Hollis Jefferson. I miss him. But
1: do you see, yeah, uh, Watford having that particular role?
0: Yeah. No. Like like we just said. Yeah.
1: If that's the role that's given, sure, I don't care. I just don't want like you know like I I see people on Twitter and the board the message for saying like he's he's legitimately a a core part of this team. And I'm like, are we watching the same
0: thing here? <laughs> I think the team for what they are now,
1: and I, I, th- I think that I had I have a a little bit of longer experience watching him because he was on LSU, so I watched that team. And I saw how bad the LSU Tigers were at defense last year. He was a pretty big part of the reason why we're off at defense, so it was it's just like the the added knowledge base that I have of Trendon is yeah working against him because I have biases towards him.
0: Well, but as somebody who watched him, do you think that he's improved? No. <laughs> All right. You're just not going to join me on this one. Well, let's try. No, no, another no, no, one.
1: no, 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 no. I, I'm safely on the. Uh, Dustin accused me of being the lowest on uh, Anthony Simons and the lowest on Trenton Watford. And I agree on the Trenton thing.
0: I, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's a, totally fine to be cautious. I mean, feel whatever you want to feel. Let me bring up uh, another yeah. one. Okay. CJ Ellaby. Again, I think yeah. we're in a situation <laughs> where they have to play CJ Ellaby. And at the beginning of the season, I would see CJ Ellaby go in, and I would just like put my head on my forehead, my hand on my forehead, and just be like, "Oh, now I'm like, yeah, where's CJ Ellaby? How, when's he coming back? I miss CJ Ellaby." You know, because you know what, he hustles, mm-hmm. and nights where people are not picking it up on defense, you know, CJ LB is putting in the effort on defense. So he's another one who I've enjoyed watching this season.
1: If, if he's in the Rondé Hollis Jefferson role, I truly don't <laughs> care.
0: It's, it's okay just okay about expanding the role
1: is where I would say, no, I, I'm fine. Like if they're chilling on the bench and giving their all on celebrating the good players on this team's talents and in Rare situations for a blowout are playing. I don't care. It's just that it's just the amount of minutes that they're on the court is where I start to care.
0: Well, but the situation is now is they're needed for this. Yeah, th- I don't. I like. Th- and so, how would you say they are quitting themselves in those minutes where they are actually needed right now? They're
1: fine. I, <laughs> when, when CJ Ellerby's in, I'm assuming the game's kind of decided, so it doesn't.
0: Not lately. <laughs>
1: I, I, again i project for the future i don't want them to play any real minutes but now it, it's a flu it's a weird season i don't want to say flu it's a weird season so if you need them to take on minutes sure i i don't care we we have different the blazers have different goals and if they're if they need cj lrb to reach the goal of whatever they choose for that game i don't I, good job cj do your thing See, I'm not oh. I'm not anti these guys. It's just in a real season I don't want to see that much.
0: Yeah. It's just that we're not in a real season. Yeah, exactly. And, and it, for it, me, it's super easy to switch over. Oh like, yeah. I yeah. can't believe how fast I switched over.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's just about the situational where they're put in. If like it's game 5 of the playoffs and we could win the game but we're putting in Trend and Wadford, I'm like, nah. But if it's this season and we're playing the Oklahoma City Thunder and winning and losing doesn't mean much. Have fun, Trenton. Have fun, Greg. Have fun, CJ Allerby. Do your thing. I'm rooting for you. It, it, it's all about the scenario and what like is the, what's the cost of playing those guys.
0: You know why you're not getting as excited about them as I am is because they're not getting you any fantasy points. If you decoupled them from how many fantasy points they could give you, I think you'd have a lot more fun with that. Just try it. So I'm just suggesting I don't want to waste my
1: money and put real money on trending. No, I'm not.
0: I'm not saying, I'm not saying to do that. I'm saying that you maybe don't appreciate them as much as I do because you look at things through that lens and you're just like, why would I be excited about a guy who gets me nothing on fantasy? So that's all I'm saying, and we can have—it's totally fine to have different opinions.
1: Now I'm curious. One sec. Are
0: you looking them up for fantasy? Yes, I am. Okay, well, you look them up. We <laughs> should also wrap things up. Are there any other players that we haven't talked about that you wanted to mention about hmm. how they, how, how you've been watching this season? We haven't really talked. Do you about care DJ about or... Tony
1: Snell anymore? Is ha, no. has your has your. uh
0: that didn't pan out at all. No, <laughs> I, th- I thought he—I was gonna be so enjoy Tony Snell, and mm-hmm. it's all Ben Mclemore for me. It's oh yeah, Ben just... Benny Mac
1: is far superior.
0: Tony Snell is like he's—I just yeah no he's he just you don't even know I like I'm like oh Tony Snell's on wearing a mm-hmm. Davis's number, and that's usually the extent of the thinking that I do about Tony Snell.
1: Cool. So. Just in case anybody cares, a good way of uh, a good way of just dis- seeing if a player is good is their fantasy points per minute. Trenton Watford gets zero point nine four fantasy points per minute. Gary Trent Jr. gets zero point eight six. So if Trenton Watford plays and has a long mm you know, runway of minutes, then sure, I would I would have him on my team. Uh mm. Tony Snell averages 0. 0.4, so he's half as productive as Trenton Watford. I knew people were going to not like Tony Snell.
0: I I just thought he had the potential to be interesting, and he's... I'm been, sure his family loves him and thinks oh, yes, he's but fascinating, but he just hasn't piqued my interest like some of the other players
1: have. Benny Mac has better for you than than tony snell right he's
0: so much fun i don't know why i love him so much but every time every time he comes out i'm just stoked his shot is so beautiful Mm -hmm. he's where he's supposed to be he's bigger than he looks like i can't believe he's also a 6'3 guard he's he looks to me like 6'5 at least maybe it's Uh, because he's broad
1: mm -hmm. i like that he pushes the pace when he's in the game too like he's running He's not walking the ball up. Like if he gets a rebound, he's passing it and go. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of players that don't have that, like that internal clock of like, we have to move the, the, like, this is important to, you know, be a ballerina and move in time. I like the way that he pushes the pace offensively in, in scenarios where that needs to happen. And obviously he's a willing shooter and he, he, he can get as hot as anybody in the league. So I think that uh, Ben Mack was definitely a a good pickup. Um, are you sad that Cody Zeller is uh, not going to play the rest of this year?
0: You know, Cody and Larry did not play enough to really, you know, worm their ways into my heart as, um, mm-hmm. I don't know, Ben McLemore. And um, Trendon Watford and CJ Ellaby, those are the guys that are keeping me going. Well, Nas. It was really, it was Ben McLemore and Nas that okay. were keeping me going. I loved watching Nas so much. He just, I just think he has personality along with being a fun player to watch. Mm-hmm. I just checked the score.
1: Are, are we losing?
0: Oh, they're getting crushed.
1: <laughs> nice.
0: You want to know what the score is? Yeah, I do oh want to know what the score <laughs> OKC90. Okay, um portland 72
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's good
0: oh and we get a play. So how do you more feel times.
1: about ant i don't think we talked enough about ant how do you feel about anthony
0: i'm super happy for Amphony and his growth and development and i just i think he's stepped into a role that was sort of thrust upon maybe not thrust upon him maybe he was ready for it but he's taking advantage of the opportunity to play his heart out. Mm-hmm. He, doesn't happen to be one of the players that really, you know, gets me that excited. And I, you know, that's just, I just, I like to watch Nas because I like chaos. I like, so I like a little bit of chaos and Anthony Simons is pretty under control and pretty buttoned up, um, but I'm really happy for him.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, my main thing is I just don't see a, a point guard. I see it, a two guard in him. So like forcing him to do something that he isn't good at, kind of seems like it's like
0: I, I mean I thought he stepped really well into facilitating he had Yusuf in there to also he help Yusuf, him helped,
1: facil- Yusuf helped him a helped lot.
0: him so so much yeah. but he also you know um I think and because Anthony is is young too he's still learning like how to make the right reads and I think he I think he's been doing pretty well considering how young he is and that this is his first like extended playing time I just don't I just he's just not as exciting to me to watch um i
1: just think he's a combo guard and us trying to make him a one just isn't fair to him mm-hmm. and i mean like if you're cool with him being your secondary playmaker then work fine just don't don't force him into that primary primary role because i don't think you're you're a combo guard until you prove me otherwise and he just hasn't proven me otherwise
0: because mm-hmm.
1: i feel like use red had reads that there was no way I was trusting Ant to make, but Yusuf could make in that, in the, when the, it was just those two, and he Yusuf was the lead playmaker. Like, I trusted Yusuf more than the point guard.
0: Yeah, but even when Yusuf was, I mean, Anthony was, like, getting the reads off of Yusuf correctly. And so, yeah, you it, know.
1: But it was Yusuf that created the initial, like, change in the defense. And then Anfernee, uh was, like, the linking player between the, the action that made the defense react and then him making the right read. It wasn't him creating the, the initial like confusion on the defense and the reaction on the defense. It was, his was Yusuf.
0: Okay. Um, I, and, I, I mean, have...
1: like uh, Lonzo ball is a linking player. He's a point guard, but he doesn't create the initial thing up for the defense. That was like Zion, Brandon Ingram, LeBron James, and all those other players that created that initial, that initial reaction on the defense and then mm-hmm. he linked to it Ant mm-hmm. is kind of like a linking player. He'll, he'll make the right move once that the the defense has been broken. He's mm-hmm. just not going to create the break, the break.
0: Mm-hmm. So there,
1: there's that difference of like, you know, like he doesn't create that he's, yeah. he's just the, the guy that benefits from it. And, you know, there's good point guards that do that. It's just, you know, yeah. they'll never be that level that you'd want him to be
0: well and to you know kind of bring it back to what we were talking about earlier with him side him alongside damien like
1: damien you know, would create the break in right the defense, exactly and that he would, would be capitalize it,
0: a, a perfectly great thing for it and one thing that i've also like i guess sort of the last thing that i'll say is sort of a holdover from the dots era that i'm not used to like not seeing anymore mm-hmm. is like Um, now that CJ's back, I keep looking up and both Anfernee and CJ are on the bench. And I'm like, what's going on? (laughs) I'm so used to that stagger Mm -hmm. between Dame and CJ. And I was expecting it between Anfernee and CJ. So when I would see them both sitting on the bench, I was like, whoa, that's, that's so weird. And I've just like, my mind has been like attuned to that.
1: So how would you prefer it to be like that? Or would you prefer a stagger? of CJ and, and, uh,
0: Well, I don't know because I'm so used to only seeing the stagger that I'm Mm -hmm. not used to seeing it, not staggered anymore. So I guess Mm -hmm. I kind of have to see it because, you know, like I said, Dennis Smith jr. Is kind of (laughs) fun. Again, not building my team around Dennis Smith jr.
1: (laughs) Okay. He needs a long runway of like having, I would prefer the stagger just because I want to see what Amphrey can do being that lead playmaker. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, like him and him and use of comboing together, and uh, Norman and CJ comboing together. I think it would give just players more of a leash, yeah. Instead of like all four of them playing ninety percent of their minutes together.
0: I know there's actually been times where they had four guard lineups. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Four. I was joking about that. Like at the beginning of the year, I was joking about the Blazers playing a four guard lineup. And when I was joking about it, I meant that the fourth guard was going to be a six foot 10 Ben Simmons. I did not believe that the Blazers would actually deploy four, six, three guards. And uh Dan Favilli on uh, Hardwood Knox, I always tag him whenever I see if there's four guards in. <laughs> like, yeah. alert, I mean, alert. Yeah.
1: So it, it, it. I'm I'm happy with all the players currently. Um,
0: you know what? They're not they're not boring.
1: No, 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 no.
0: So we've got stuff to talk about, and with that, we should probably wrap it up. That Sage, works. it's been so great talking to you. I can't believe it's been this long since we had a conversation, but it's yeah, it's super great to see uh, you. You want to tell folks where they can find you and how they can also listen to the Holy Backboard.
1: So the Holy Backboard is that everywhere that uh oh this podcast is on we're on itunes stitcher himalaya podcast dash radio which is a um an online internet radio station we're on there uh, everywhere you can find the what Pat but podcast we're there the holy for. we've been i think this is the 271st episode so we've been in the game a while and uh, i just thank you for letting me be on and uh i had a real fun time talking with you
0: an amazing body of work. Congratulations to you guys. Um, and you're at DA Sage, right? I think that's what you're. Yeah. DA Sage. I've got it up right now. Nobody ever (laughs) remembers their own handle on Twitter. DA Sage. Yeah. It's Uh, a happy
1: panda wearing a blazers hat.
0: Well, uh, thanks to everybody who's listened along. Um, I hope y'all have a great week. Thanks for listening. Find us in your favorite podcast feed. Find me at TCB Biggs on Twitter. Find the What Podcast at We Have a Take. And um, I'm going to check the score. Oh, and the Blazers are only down 14 right now. So go, Blazers!
1: Or Thunder, whatever you choose. <laughs> I accept it.